Proverbs chapter 3, I'll read verses 1 through 8, and I'm going to read verses 5 and 6 again. Proverbs 3 says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your hearts. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thanks for your word. Lord, thanks for gathering us together again. Lord, thanks for your grace. Thanks for your help, your wisdom. Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning as we look at a familiar passage that you would just encourage us Increase our trust in you. Open, begin trust in you. And Lord, I pray that you would just remind us of who you are. Lord, I pray that you would be with those this morning who are struggling emotionally. Be with those who are struggling physically. I pray you would just continue to strengthen Jeff Dold and Adele and Betty. Just give them the strength that they need in healing. Be with those who are suffering with COVID right now. I pray you would just heal them and that they would be able to quickly get back and going again. Lord, I pray that you would be with those struggling emotionally. There's just the hardships of life. God, I pray that you give them great grace that we would just trust in you. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I had an extended road trip uh, earlier this week, and so I was driving back, uh, listening to the radio, trying to... Stay tuned in, and as I was listening, I came across this station uh, where this guy kind of grabbed me for a few minutes. He was um, he he was talking about climate change and how everything in history that ever happened was because of climate change and all the disasters of the world were because of climate change and he was just so engaged with it and going on through history naming all these things that he said were all due to the fact of climate change and all these people who have lost lives and civilizations that no longer exist because of climate change climate change to the point where I was kind of getting into it almost starting to sweat he said if we don't fix it in two years we are all going to be dead uh, he, and he closed before he went to the commercial with the statement, well, as I really believe the issue of our day is climate change. Dun, dun, dun. And they went to commercial. And I would say, I don't know if that's true or not, but I would say I really believe the issue of our day is trusting God. I believe that's the issue of every day, but I really believe that the issue of our day is trusting God. I mean, what are you struggling to trust God about? If I would have given you a blank piece of paper and said, I'm struggling to trust God about, and I left a blank and said, just before I start, fill it in, what would be the thing that you would say, this, this is what I'm struggling to trust God about? My guess would be that there would be nobody in the room with an empty blank. 
I think the issue of our day, and always the issue of the day, is are we going to trust God? What is it that we are to trust and struggle to trust God about? When are we to trust God? In Psalms 27, it often says, talks about trusting in God. We are to trust God in the good days and in the bad days. That's when we're supposed to trust um, God. And trusting God is trusting in the character of God. It's uh, who he is and believing what he says he will do that he will do. That's what trusting God is. It's not passive. I mean, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we have it on the wall when you walk in here. You've probably heard it since if you were in church since you were young. I sign every graduation card for anybody who graduates at the end with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's one of my favorite verses. If I had to say it together, many of you could quote it from memory. It is an easy verse or two to say. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths it's so easy to say i mean it's so familiar but it is difficult isn't it it's difficult to practice trusting god is not passive it's an active thing i was a number of years ago in college, driving back, and we were in Joliet with a friend. Dwayne was driving. He was a couple years older than me. We were coming over a bridge. It was nighttime. Um, it was dark. And as he was driving up the bridge, right in front of us, these two cars collided right in front of us. And I'm in the passenger seat, and Dwayne's driving. It's all black. Big puff of smoke comes up. Uh, we're on a bridge, and we're heading into this accident. There are many things that cause us to not trust God. There's many enemies. There's darkness, there's bridges, there's crashes. And in Philippians, Proverbs chapter 3, it starts out with words of Solomon, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. There's many things that cause us not to trust God. There's many enemies. Of what are we going to do in those moments when you're on the bridge and there's an accident and it's dark and you're not sure which way to go with your life? There's all these enemies for us to trust God. It's, it's been a problem from the beginning. Abraham struggled with it. When God called him to go to Egypt, he leaves, goes to Egypt, and he gets there and he realizes that, hey, um, my wife's very attractive. And if, I, uh, if people find out that I'm married to her, uh, they're going to kill me. And so what he does in his own understanding is he says, hey, tell people that we're brothers and sisters. And if you read that passage in Genesis chapter 12, you find out that that did not work out too well for Abraham. Trusting in his own understanding, trying to figure out what to do. Joshua didn't work out for. Peter, it didn't work out for. This is an ongoing situation, even for the great saints, of trusting God and not leaning on your own understanding. What are some things that cause us that are enemies of trusting God for us today. One of them is just we are self-sufficient. We, we are very self-sufficient. We, we don't want to have to trust in somebody else. We're Americans. We can do it. We, we, we can buck up ourselves and pull our ways through. Our self-sufficiency keeps us from trusting God. We're very self-supplied. 
I mean, most of us, for the most part, if something breaks down at our house, we, we probably don't automatically often just drop to our knees and asking God to supply the need. We're very self-supplied. We, we can just go to Walmart. We can go to Menards. We can figure out how to pay it. We can put it on a credit card. We have access to all these supplies that keep us from trusting God. We, we're, we're also just very self-isolated. We, we can take care of ourselves. And we're also very seriously anxious as a people, which stops us from trusting God. All of us have concerns. Everybody walked in with some kind of concern that you are seriously, possibly anxious about. It could be a family situation. It could be a relationship, friend situation. It could be your finances. It could be your future. What's it going to turn around? All of these things cause us and our enemies of trusting God. Or maybe you've just been severely burnt. You said, I tried to trust God. I, I did that for a while. And it didn't work out too well for me. So I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm burnt now. I don't actually believe God's going to come through like he says. And all of those are enemies of us trusting God. And all of those decisions, what you do with your self-sufficiency, your, your ability to be self-supplied, or just take care of yourself, or just your anxiety, all of those are enemies of us pulling ourselves away from God, or just saying, I'm done, and I'm not going to get burnt again. All of those are paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He'll make straight your paths. All of those are directions that you're going to go. There's a, there's a way you'll go with those decisions. And the problem with the wrong path is that you never realize you're lost until you realize you're lost. You don't realize that you're on a wrong path. When, when, when Teresa and I were on our honeymoon, we were hiking in the Smoky Mountains. It was about 100 degrees. We didn't bring water. So I thought it would be a good idea to take a shortcut, shortcut down the path, which I tried. And I'm like, I got this. Uh, you know, and she was newly married, so she thought I knew what I was doing. And I had no idea. <laughs> no water. We had nothing. And I didn't realize I was lost until I was lost. And we were lost, and we had to figure out how to get back to the trail. When you go down a wrong path, you don't realize you're lost until you're lost, and sometimes it can be too late. All of these issues of not trusting God, Proverbs 28, 26 says, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. The enemy of trusting God, when you're on the bridge and it's all dark and there's smoke everywhere, is very dangerous. You have to choose the right path. Thankfully, my friend Dwayne knew that when it's dark and there's an accident and you see the smoke, you drive through the smoke. And he went straight ahead and we were fine. He chose the right path. He listened. He knew what he had been taught before. All of these enemies of trusting God, but there is an effort that comes in trusting the Lord. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. It's, it's a choice that we have to make. There's a, there's a choosing to say, I'm going to trust God. And if you're going to make a choice, you should ask some good questions about that choice. Why should you trust God? Because the question for often for us is, why do these troubles come to us? Why, why do we have to go through life, even as believers, and just why do these troubles come? So why, why doesn't God just fix it? Why does he leave us in it as long as he 
does. In Ecclesiastes 7, verse 13, it says, Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? About 1730s, there was a guy named Thomas Boston who was a Puritan preacher, and he lost five or six of his children. They died young and early, and he suffered, and he was discouraged, and he went through all the grief and the lamenting and the process. And he just discovered this passage, Ecclesiastes 7.13, where it says, Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? And he wrote and preached some sermons titled, The Crook in the Lot, which means for us, why does God allow suffering? Why doesn't he just fix things for you? Why doesn't he leave you in it for so long? But the, the reality is then that the God has, as it says in Proverbs, Psalm 16, that God is in charge of our lot. All of us have a lot. There's a certain amount of life that God has given you. And in that lot, there has been crooks or things that we don't like are going to come in. Everybody's life has crooks in their lot that makes it unstraight. Some of those reasons are mainly obviously because of sin, but we, we are living in a broken world, and so that creates crooks in our lot. Things are not going to always go the way we want. We know that, and every life has them. We, we often look at our situation and think that, well, nobody else is suffering a crook in their situation like I am, but the truth is everybody is going through crooks in their lot. You will have more of them to come. And what God has made crooked, who can make straight? It's been God's design to use the brokenness and the crook in our lot for a reason. So a decision has to be made with these crooks in your lot of life. Are you going to trust God with them? Are you not going to trust God with them? But to trust God with them, you're going to have to come to grips with the reality that there are things in your life that God could have stopped. But because he didn't stop them means they weren't meant to break you. They were meant to make you, to be what he has for you. He could have stopped all kinds of pain in your life. He could have. But what God has made crooked, who can make straight? What's the constant for us when we live in this reality that there is just going to be crooks in our lot? Things are going to trouble us, things that we're not going to understand. And how are we going to trust God in that? 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5 says this for us. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellent. This is our hope for us. When we look at the cricks in our lot and say, well, why would he do that? It's because God's divine power has given us everything we need, even in these crooks in our lot, when things are broken and we're not sure why he's doing this. He's given us everything we need to make it through for life and godliness. And then he says to do it in verse 5, by which he has granted us 
precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine lot, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. And he gives us a whole list of things to supplement our faith with. There's a choice to be made if, if you're going to trust God or not. When the, when, the, when the things aren't going well, here's our confidence, is that we have a God who is unbelievably gracious and has our best interests at heart. Even with that very hard, crooked thing that you're struggling to trust him with. God sees more than you can see. He knows more than you can know. He cares more than you can care. And he shares more than you can share. He just is unbelievably helpful in that. This is how God describes himself in Scripture. And the question is, will we trust that God describes himself as he is? That we can trust in him with all our heart? Does God know what's best for you in your life? That's the question you have to choose to answer. Yes or no. I was watching Forged in the Fire last week. And they, the guy was supposed to build this beautiful sword. And so they, they, they showed the sword, he takes off, he had him build it out of chainsaw links. They had three hours to do it, he's, he's putting it all together, and then he takes this clump of metal and steel, and he puts it in the forge and just lets it go, and he walks away from it. And he goes to build the handle, and, and he just leaves it in there. And he comes back later, and he pulls it out, and it is white hot. And then he takes it over to the press, and starts to press it down into the shape he wants, and it just it moves like butter. And it becomes a beautifully formed knife. And, they, and the guys even said they, they'd never seen someone do it so well. But he took the steel that wasn't what it was supposed to be yet, and he put it in the fire, and then he walked away from it. And that's how you feel sometimes. That God's taken your life, and then he puts you in the fire, and then you just feel like he walks away. You're like, how long are you going to leave me in this? How long am I going to have to feel this way? How long is this going to happen? But God knows what he's doing. He is the potter. We are the clay. And he knows how long to leave you in there, not to hurt you, but to help you so that when he comes and forms you, he just forms you like butter into the perfect person an image of Christ that he's trying to make you. Job understood this. In Job 23, 10, he says, but he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. But the question is, will you trust God in that process? Do you, do you have the confidence that in this crushing thing, and where it feels like God just put me in the fire and he's walked away from me, that, that he's, he's going, he knows what he's doing. There, there's confidence that we can have in this crushing. And we've just noticed this even recently in our church. Jeff Dold just sent me this this week and he wanted me to share it with the church. I, sent, I think he sent it to me uh, Thursday evening. And it fits so well. He, this is, Jeff said this, he goes, when I got the call, he's recovering from surgery for some colon cancer. Jeff said, when I got the call from the doctor that I had cancer, I was in the middle of demonstrating how to use an alarm system that I had just installed. I had a feeling the news was coming because I had missed a few calls from the same number. And when I called back, the nurse said that the doctor would be getting back to me. 
I prepared myself with prayer and accepted whatever God had put before me. His ways are beyond our ways and his thoughts are beyond our thoughts. I've seen God do miracles in our church body and I was praying that he would add me to that list. But as Jesus prayed in the garden, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. I was ready to accept his will. Peace comes from knowing who is holding it all together for his glory. Billy Graham said the greatest gift God has given us is prayer. Not only does the creator of the universe hear us, but he answers us. It's not always the answer we want, but it's always for his glory. Thank you all for your prayers. This is the confidence that we can have when you get put in the fire and it feels like God's walked away from you. But we can trust him with his grace. But you say, what if my situation seems impossible? There's no end in sight. It's not turning around. It's not as simple, maybe, as even a surgery, even though that's good. There's nobody that can come in and take this pain out of me that easily. I, I don't see a future. I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And Proverbs 3 goes on to say, it says this, the, verse 19, the, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son or daughter, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet." Remember, make this choice. Remember who created the universe and trust in him at all times, even when you don't understand. Jerry Bridges says God's plan and his ways of working out his plan are frequently beyond our ability to fathom and understand. We must learn to trust when we don't understand. Like a lot of families during the pandemic, when everybody was closed down, we pulled out a puzzle. Anybody else pull out a puzzle and try to do a family puzzle? And we, we set the puzzle up on the counter, and for weeks we tried to do this puzzle. And we, we got, we, we'd spend hours looking at it, and we'd walk away. And then we got to the end, and there was like two pieces that did not fit. Nothing more frustrating with that. I hate puzzles in the first place. I'm forced to do them anyway. And so I'm trying to figure out how to get this piece. And we would walk away. Everybody would come. We'd look at the piece and we'd walk away. Somebody else would come. And we'd dis discuss who ripped us off and how the packaging wasn't right. We'd look at the picture again and we'd go back. We'd walk away. But we didn't throw the puzzle out because we genuinely believed that somewhere we would trust the manufacturers that they had done it right. And we, we looked and we looked and we spent hours, I would just get so frustrated, I'd walk away. And finally, I don't know who it was, they moved a piece and another piece and boom, boom, the puzzle was done. Just the way it was supposed to be. Trust God, even when you don't understand, when it's frustrating, you can't think it's ever going to be figured out. You just don't walk away. We trust God with all our hearts. We don't lean on our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight our paths. There's all kinds of examples of trust 
in Scripture to help us. In Mark chapter 2, there was a man who was a paraplegic, struggling to move. He's in his bed, no way to get any help, but he's got four crazy friends who love him so much. And they say to him, hey, this guy Jesus, he is out here, he's healing people. And they, you, you want to go? And he's like, yes, I go, I want to be healed. And so they, they, they go, and the place is absolutely packed, they can't get in. So these four guys with their friend, they decide, you know what, let's go up on the roof, and let's just start ripping off the roof, and we're going to lower you down in the roof in front of Jesus, in this packed out house. Who does this? Who does that? Who thinks this is a good idea? It's people who say, I know that this doesn't look like it's going to work. It actually seems impossible. But I know who's down there. I know that we can trust him. And I know if we get you to him, he can help you. They, They rip the roof off and they lower him down. And Jesus, with all the Pharisees, all the people around him, they 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 he could have said, What are you doing here? But they trusted who he was. They trusted his character. They knew he wasn't going to reject them. And Jesus looks at them and he says, your faith has made you whole. And he gets up and he walks out of that room. It's crazy. But they trusted the one who was there. In Mark chapter 5, there's the woman who is this issue of blood for 12 years and she, she can never be healed. Nobody can help her. But she hears about this guy named Jesus who's going around healing people. And she thinks, I'll never get to stand in front of him. There's so many people, I'll never get to him. I'm sick, I'm frail, I'm weak. But then she has this thought, I know, if I just can touch the hem of his garment, if I just touch that, he, that will, that'll be enough. That'll heal me. Who, who had ever heard of such an idea? Did you just walk by and touch somebody, and after 12 years that nobody else can figure out, you're going to be healed? So she, she, she goes, and with this faith, she reaches out. She touches the hem of Jesus' garment. Instantly, she's healed. And Jesus stops and said, who touched me? And the disciples are like, what are you talking about? There's tons of people around you. Everybody's touching you. He goes, no, there's, there, there was power that left from me. And the woman heard it, and she walks up, and she says, I did. And Jesus says, your faith has made you whole. She trusted in the Lord with all his heart, and she didn't lean on her own understanding. It made no sense to rip a roof off. It made no sense just to touch a cloak. But God made their ways straight. Each one of them had a need. Each one of them had a plea for help, and each one of them placed their trust in Jesus. It was a ruthless trust. There's no guarantee. They just trusted that this was what they should do. A decision has to be made to trust in the Lord. It's not your emotions. It's a decision to trust in the Lord. It's to put yourself in this path. But what do you do when you say, that's all good, but that's, that's not me? I've tried to rip roofs off in my life situations it doesn't turn out. I've tried to touch garments and it hasn't worked out. But what do you do when it's your turn to trust God in a troubling time? Or right now's time? What do you do when it's your turn to trust? 1 Samuel chapter 30 gives the story of David with his men. 
They just left. They'd been in, living in Ziklag. They left to go and fight in a battle. They get there. They left their family. They left their kids. They left their wives. And they were gone for a number of days. They get there to go and fight. And they are said, you, know, you can't fight with us. So go back home. So David with his 600 men, they head back. And 1 Samuel chapter 30 says this, When David and his men came to Ziklag, on the third day the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag, their home. They had overcome Ziklag and had burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And the guys didn't know this at the time. David didn't know that, this, that they weren't dead. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and their sons and daughters taken captive. Then the people, then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. Listen, if you're going through a hard time, it's okay to weep. We weep with those who weep in a broken world. David wept until he had no more strength to weep. And David's two wives also had been taken captive. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and his daughters. His own men were turning against him now. You, you, you took us to war, we couldn't do it, now we're back, we left our families, and now they're gone. And now, David, it's your fault. You're the one that's going to have to pay for this. It, David was left alone. He had lost his wives, he lost his kids, his own men had abandoned him, they blamed him for everything. He was greatly distressed. You, you could probably say he was depressed because all the people were bitter in soul. He was drained. And then David did what we can do. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. How do you do that? How do you trust in God? You do what David did. He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He reflected on who God is. He may have remembered something that he wrote, like Proverbs, Psalm 18, 1 through 3. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. He, he reflected on who God was, and then he probably remembered what God had done in the past. Proverbs 22, 22 through 24 says, you who fear the Lord, I, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried from him. And David strengthened himself in the Lord. He remembered who God was. And he remembered what God had done in the past. And he's, he said, God's not going to abandon me. He, he's for me. And then he resolved to remain and rely on God. He, he, he could have been wiped out. He was exhausted mentally, physically, depressed. But then he strengthened himself in God. And he just resolved. He chose, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to rely on God. Like it says in Isaiah 50.10, Who among you fears the Lord? And obeys the voice of his servant. Let him 
who walks in darkness and has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. And you can read the rest of 2 Samuel or 1 Samuel to see what happens with David. But he strengthened himself in the Lord. And I think when that happens, when you do that, and when I do that, it reflects the glory of God. In that moment, none of David's circumstances has changed. But he, but he strengthened himself in his God. I was watching the Olympics, and on Monday, 17-year-old Lydia Jacoby of Seward, Seward Alaska shocked the world by winning gold in her event. It was amazing, it was spectacular, but the coolest part of it is if you saw it, was this little girl, 17, whose, whose swimming pool in Alaska wasn't even big enough to be an Olympic-sized pool. She trained and trained in this pool too small. But the coolest thing of it all was there was a watch party in Seward, Alaska, where her high school classmates were, and they were watching it. And if you saw that, they, they were showing it, and they cheered her on. I mean, it was just unbelievable, the celebration that happened when she won the gold. The cool, she, they were just all over the place, jumping up and down, just thrilled to death to see it. But she never saw any of that until she got to the stand to be interviewed. And as she was being interviewed after the event, they showed her the clip of her teammate, of her schoolmates cheering for her. And she had this unbelievably just happy giggle. She just, celebrated, she just rejoiced in that they were rejoicing for her. When you trust God, I think this is what, this is what happens in heaven. When we trust God in the midst of darkness, we have the, the, the angels looking down, looking at it and being just like, yes, they did it. They're doing it. In Hebrews 11, just the, 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 the saints before us are cheering us on, giving glory to God. It's, it's hard to trust God. It, it's not easy to trust God. Life is filled with crooks in our, light, our lot. But Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. One last story from the Olympics. Earlier this week, there's an Olympic swimmer from South Africa, Tatjana Shoemaker. She ended up winning gold medal, and I think the 200-meter butterfly. She's a Christian, a follower of Christ. Under her, she has, wears two water caps. Underneath the cap, she has the Jesus fish and the phrase, glory to God alone. She's one of the first South African women to win a gold medal in this event. And before she left for the Olympics, this was her prayer. And if you're struggling to trust God, you say, how can I trust God? Trust God. Trust God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And let this be your prayer that she prayed. Father, God, may your will be done. May your peace fill us up. May we praise you no matter what the outcome. May we be empowered by your strength to give it our all. And may we forever be in the awe of your goodness. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. 
The Bible says in Luke that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. He would have known Proverbs 3. He would have believed Proverbs 3. He would have practiced Proverbs 3. But the lot of his life was to take the wrath of God for us because of our sin. And Proverbs 3, in many ways, didn't look like it worked out too well for Jesus. But he went to the cross willingly for us, giving his life for our sins, the innocent for the guilty, so that we could have life, so that we could trust God, because Jesus died and he rose again. And therefore, we have hope, and all the promises of God then are true in Jesus Christ. Trust God.